the performance itself was, you know, me in my finest form. And I think if an athlete can find themselves in the finest form in the Olympic final, then you've almost completed what you set out to do. I was just loving every single second. You know, I was so, even though I've been to world championships, I've been to Europeans, I've been to a come-off and I've won them all and I've done my world record, there was nothing that compares to Olympics. You're listening to the Better Stories podcast with Sam Lloyd, taking inspiration from our communities and people. Hello and welcome to the latest Better Stories podcast and I'm really thrilled to be speaking to this week's guest as his achievements in his chosen sport of swimming are truly phenomenal. So it's a very warm welcome to Adam Peaty, MBE. How are you doing? You okay? Good, thank you. Just came straight out of training, funnily enough. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, good. It's all going, going good, thank you. Well, it's lovely to speak to you today. I'm really looking forward to a bit of a catch up and a chat. But firstly, if I may, I'd love to talk about your personal journey and where the love of swimming came from and how you got involved in the first place. Um, I think it's uh, quite a typical kind of standard way into swimming for me. Um, It was nothing like, you know, uh, I knew my destiny as such. It was really just starting through school, going through the programs in school. Uh, I've always enjoyed it. I enjoy, I always enjoyed swimming lessons, or later on anyway. I used to hate water, so the, um, <clears throat> but I enjoyed it when I was doing it with my friends. My first club was Dove Valley in Utoxisa, and that's where it all kind of begun. Uh, I started training, you know, multiple times a week, a few hours a week, and then started to race on weekends. And it was really more of a social thing. I think um, sport is the best. When it, you, obviously you're enjoying it, but it's also social and you can create friendships and, you know, um, and that's where it all kind of started. And then I kind of got addicted to, you know, racing and winning. And yeah, I think it was, a uh, yeah, kind of, kind of got out of hand really. So um, here we are, <laughs> I guess, uh, what, 15 years later. I find your story fascinating, especially when you mention it was the social side initially, because that's the beauty of sport, isn't it? The kind of interaction and being with your buddies. But I'm really, really interested to know, when did you realise, actually, I'm pretty good at this? I think there is obviously a certain time in everyone's life where they've got a talent and they've got uh, something they love. And I think you would reach you know, a certain, you know, certain part of your career well, you know, hold on a minute, I am, you know, better than average. Uh, I've got something a little bit different about me and I love what I do. So why wouldn't I pursue it, uh, you know, the whole way? I think that came to me when I was probably in the transition of GCSEs to A-levels. Uh, and then I did my A-levels, but I didn't do the second year just because of um, I want, I knew I needed to put my all in if I was going to beat the previous Olympic champ or the other guys who were ahead of me. Um, so I had to commit myself fully to swimming. And that's where, you know, a lot of the support networks come in from British Women, UK Sport and the various companies that support athletes. So I was able to do that, you know, and when I was 18, that's when I started to just really get good at what I was doing. And there's obviously you reach a certain level, but then there's always a level above that. Um, and then when I was 19, I won my first senior and got my first world record. So, yeah, it kind of uh, spiraled out of control really, really quick. <laughs> Yeah, it was a meteoric rise. I mean, it's pretty phenomenal, your journey and your story. It's interesting what you said about you loved winning races, because when you think of elite sport, it takes dogged determination, it takes commitment, discipline. 
And as a swimmer, that's a lot of early starts and hours upon hours training in the pool. So what gives you that drive, that focus? Would you say you're a really determined individual? And when you focus on something, you know exactly what the target and the aim is? I think so. Um, you know, I completely agree. It requires a ridiculous amount of focus, a ridiculous amount of you know, commitment and dedication and even more resilience because sport, you know, most people see the glory, the the winning, the, you know, if you're in different sports, they see all the action, but they never see you know, the, the day in, day out grind, which is you're getting up extremely early, going to bed late and you've got to recover and do it all again, if not better tomorrow. So for me, the motivation is just to be better than yesterday. I think um, because if you think about anything else, I think it's quite overwhelming. If you, if I started out when I was a young kid or a teenager and went, I want to be the best in the world. I want to be Olympic champion. It's just an impossible way of thinking because to achieve greatness, I think you need to break down on the goal into little goals and then work towards you know that bigger goal in the end. So yeah, I don't think there's anything which is an overwhelming motivation. Obviously, I want to win. I want to be the best in the world and I want to be consistent at it. And I've done that over the last seven years. So for me, a lot of people are like, you know, I do get questions like, where do you find motivation? Where do you find the urge to keep winning? And I think it's quite simple. I think being an athlete, it's there's got to be a, a there has got to be a tiny bit of narcissism inside you because it has got it is a very selfish world and you've got to be very confident in yourself. Um, so in reality, I just don't want anyone else to win. <laughs> and I think that's the best simple way as to that. <laughs> I'm extremely competitive, so why would I ever complicate it? Um, I'd only be lying to myself if I was happy that someone else won. And that's the brutal kind of ruthless approach you've got to have to sport because, you know, we always think of, you know, sportsmanship and we should all have sportsmanship. But just because you shake someone's, house because, uh, so someone's hand because they've won does not mean you're okay with it. Um, so that's the, that's the, that's the kind of the fine line in sport, but yeah, there's not a simple answer to, you know, what motivates me and what pushes me on beyond, but I think it is a whole ton of variables, which have made me who I am uh, from a youngster into you know, the man I am now. So, and it changes every single year. My motivation, what was last year or the year before is, is different to now. I've got a little uh, baby, I've got my own family. So it's, you know, the motivation is, up. yeah, of course it's changed. So. Yeah, it's not a simple question, uh, not a simple answer, unfortunately. No, it's fascinating, though, the mental approach to elite sport. We'll talk about your family in a minute. But you have dominated the swimming world in the 50, 100 meter breaststroke since 2014. Eight world championship titles, 13 European championship titles, broken your own 11 world records. Those are some serious stats. That is some feat, Adam phenomenal i mean yeah it's 13 world records now if we include the short course ones that we did in isl a few months ago but yeah i mean it's it's continually evolving uh, but that's the thing i think to be great once is moderately easy without sounding arrogant but to be great consistently is you know a hundred times harder and then to do it all again uh from now is going to be a thousand times harder so it only gets harder the more successful you are because there's so many more pressures. There's so many more things and people looking at you are expecting you to perform. But I think if you're in that certain mindset and that type of person you are, then that will almost create a better performance. So I'm already looking towards Tokyo and, you know, I know the pulls and pressures of life and I know what's going to, 
you know, happen at Tokyo and, you know, what I should be feeling. But, you know, it doesn't make it any easier because I've done it before. If anything, it's, you know, it is a hundred times harder this time because defending or, you know, going for another title, you know, it, it's a lot harder than just being a kid who's going out there to race and, you know, win it for the first time. So, yeah, but, you know, I, I enjoy each season with its its challenges and it's, you know, obviously it's the things that you benefit from as well. Yeah, it's a different approach psychologically when you feel you've got a target on your back. And before we look ahead to Tokyo, I'd love to just reflect on Rio and when you were crowned Olympic champion. What are your memories? I mean, just relive that time out in Brazil. I mean, you just must hold it incredibly close to your heart. I think um, Rio will always be really close to me because, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's not just the memories, but I can pretty much remember everything from that time, except from the partying, obviously. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> the, the, the performance itself was, you know, me in my finest form. And I think if an athlete can find themselves in the finest form in the Olympic final, then you've almost completed what you set out to do. And, you know, finding that is extremely difficult, but I, it was so easy because I was just loving every single second. Even though I've been to world championships, I've been to Europeans, I've been to a Commonwealth and I've won them all and I've done my world records. There was nothing that compares to Olympics. There's nothing that compares to, you know, the media. There's nothing that compares to the crowd. There's nothing that compares to the, the actual venues. And it's just, yeah, you're in a state of just awe and then a state of kind of, I don't know, just ecstasy really, because it, it, really that's what I've been training for for 15 years. So if you think of, you know, a normal career or any career and anything you do, and you've been working up to this moment and then you got to this massive stage, of course you're going to be happy because that's what you've been working towards. But those memories for me, I just, I still remember turning around, obviously the crowd cheering and, I, you know, seeing Adam PT GBR gold world record. And that side, that just huge, like I've never since, you know, I've never had that amount of relief in my life because the amount of investment uh, socially, financially, um, and, you know, in terms of my time and in terms of everything else that comes with being an athlete had just paid off. So sport is a gamble, but the more you train and the more you race and the, the better you prepare yourself, obviously those, those odds increase of you, you know, paying it off. And, it, you know, you've got to think of it simply, right? So for me, yeah, that was, you know, a huge, huge sign of relief. When you reflect on your performance, do you just feel that everything just went right? Because it's all about timings, isn't it? Being an elite athlete. Um, yeah, I mean, we call something, we call it a taper. So anyone that doesn't know what a taper is, it's basically a block of rest, um, which you go through. So you rest your body rest your mind and obviously rest your spirit because you've pretty much hammered all three of those systems for the last 12 months. So this is the perfect time for your muscles to recover fully, your mind to kind of get some peace with yourself uh, and really focusing on what you need to do next to race. And then your spirit, what is your motivation? What's your inspiration going to the race? So for me, that's that time to, you know, rest and, you know, fine tune. So yeah, peaking at the right time is important, but there's a, there's a hundred of, you know, if not more things to get right before you even get to the pool. You know, it's not, you know, you don't just turn up to Olympics one day and go, right, I'm ready to race. You know, you turn up to the Olympics every single day for eight years or 12 years or 16 years. Um, 
and get the pre preparation right then. And if you prepare, then at least you know you've done everything in your power to win. I think if you can go out there and give yourself peace and give yourself a, a positive energy and go, right, I've given absolutely everything. I've left no stone unturned and I'm going to completely attack and go out for this you know, golden world record. That's the best state of mind to be in. Because I think even if your body wasn't ready, um, if you can make your mind ready at that level, then you're already winning. I think you, you've already given your body the best chance to you know, get the best out of itself. Well, let's look ahead to Tokyo, of course, being postponed because of the global pandemic. But generally, how are preparations and training going for you? Yeah, really well, thank you. It's um, obviously the pandemic's affected every single person on this planet. Uh, and it has been tough. It's been very tedious, especially in a, a British winter. I think or even my weekends, I used to look forward to my weekends, but now it's just like, it's going to be the same as I do every single yeah, day. It's no yeah. different, right? It's been a, yeah, it's been a really hard time for a lot of people, especially athletes, because you've taken away one of the things which we, we live for, uh, which is competition and obviously giving people a good show and inspiring people. So for me, yeah, obviously I was devastated really when it was postponed because it was another year you had to wait to, you know, get the same thing that you, know, you should have got. But I think that you've got to think about the silver linings. For me, it's not about, you know, all the negative energy and all the negative things about all those thoughts about it being postponed because it doesn't help anyone. So for me, I'm still working towards, you know, the Tokyo going ahead. I'm still working towards, you know, giving that performance in Tokyo uh, and anything else is just a minor distraction right now. Yeah, onwards and upwards, as you rightly say. You've spoken very publicly about mental health, well-being. There's so much pressure, isn't there, and intensity at elite sport. How, how do you kind of cope with that element? I think the pressure is probably the one is hard, one of the hardest things to navigate because if you're you've recently become a champion or you've recently be, become someone of a threat to the the, the people at the top. So if you go into tennis and you go into the top 10 or the top 30, the pressure that comes along with that can be huge and that can affect your performance. But when you're doing it for a long, long time, you do get used to it firstly, but you know you don't get used to it because it's ever-changing. And for me, it's a constant kind of doubt. It's a constant doubt of like, you know, I'm, um, you know, you've got you've to get the balance right because if it is too much doubt, then you're not going to get the performance. You're not going to give that confidence to yourself, but you've got to have a little bit of doubt so you don't have, so you don't become complacent. I think there's a, a very fine line between what we do every single day and you know what we do when we perform. But when you do perform, there's, there can't be any doubt, not one single bit. But you know when I train, doubt does help me and pressure does help me. So it gets the best out of me, if that makes sense. It's really hard to explain because it's really no, you're hard. You're doing a good job. I'm brain, getting so. it. Yeah, it's fascinating. I don't really know how to, you know, how I do think, but I do I do need a bit of pressure and I do need a bit of doubt to get the best out of myself. You have really established yourself as a huge name in British sport. So tell me all about these race clinics at Bath Leisure Centre. Yes, so race the race clinics is a huge kind of project for us. Uh, after Olympics, we were meant to do 40 worldwide. We managed to do five in the UK before the pandemic uh, that in 2019, straight after World Championships. But the whole idea behind this kind of uh, new approach to doing a clinic for kids 
is making it fun. We see so many kids burn out by the time they're 15. If you look at grassroots sports and you look at most of the sports which lose the highest number of members, you know, swimming would probably be right up there. And that's not to do with the sport. It's not to do with it's not enjoyable. Um, obviously, people have careers and people have education, but it's also the the rate of burnout. So for us, the the clinics are a different approach to you know making it fun for kids, passing on my my knowledge, psychology, uh, psychology, nutrition, um, and obviously technique, strength and exercise, and giving on some knowledge to parents as well. What does it take to raise a champion? What does it take to you know sustain success for a kid uh, who's transitioning into a teenager? And hopefully into a champion one day. So I think all this wealth of knowledge, uh, especially in sports, I think a lot of it is held behind. But I think we, especially now, we need to do more to, you know, give this knowledge back to the community and give it back to people so we can see sport continually evolve and never stagnate. Well, it sounds like the offering is kind of an all-round package. But how important is it to you with your profile as you alluded to there, to give something back? I don't think there's any point in sport if we're not going to give back, honestly. I think um, sport, you know, inspires people. And that's why I think the Olympics will be so powerful because we've all been in this pandemic and we've all done this. And if we can give some amazing performances, it'll give people a lot of hope to say, hold on a minute, if they can do it under these circumstances with pretty much no training and, you know, no racing, then, you know, I just want to be better today. And that's that's what it is. It's, it's all about being better than you know, yesterday. And, yeah, I think going on, yeah, I, it's just all about, yeah, it's really, really simple. We just want to teach kids and we want to teach people just to be better. And, you know, hopefully we can do that all around the world. Because I know you take it very seriously and, and you've mentioned in the media that it really is important that, that every child can swim, that people can indeed swim. Yes, yes. So obviously swimming is obviously a sport that, you know, you can do racing or you can do water polo or you can do synchro or diving. But for me, it's also, you know, for a lot, I mean, sorry, not for me, but for a lot of people it is a life skill. Uh, and the rate of children that are coming out of school who can't swim is decreasing. So I think um, we need to obviously do a lot more promotion around swimming to, you know, it is, a, it is a life skill and we need to teach people. And especially in, you know, a lot of communities who don't they take up swimming, and they, they've never swam in their life. Um, we need to reach out into those communities and give them the, the education and hopefully the confidence to be around bodies of water safely and hopefully with a bit of enjoyment, I think, a lot of people are still scared of being around water because they don't know how to swim. And I think it's, especially when you come out of school, it should be something that's, you know, a non-negotiable. Adam, COVID has been such a difficult time. And I know that you've spoken publicly that it's really crucial that swimming pools reopen because of course, being active is so important, isn't it? In terms of people's well-being. Movement in general has a, a direct correlation towards people's mental health and well-being. So, of course, COVID has a huge, huge amount of uh, issues with uh, being in lockdown in terms of people's men, uh, mental well-being. For me, it's been hard because on a weekend, you can normally look forward to doing something different, go out shopping, go out eating, uh, go on a date or just do something that isn't swimming um, and isn't around where I am every single day of the week 
So I think, um, you know, if we can you know, find a way to obviously negotiate that, and, you know, one of the best ways to do that is through sport and through activity. And, you know, there's been a lot of research, you know, probably thousands and thousands of research articles about, you know, how much of a good effect, you know, sport and activity has on your brain and on your body. And it, re- you know, reduces chances of depression. So for swimming in general, I think um, it's a great one because as soon as you're in the water, yeah, it's pretty much silent, right? You can't really hear anything. All you can hear is bubbles. Uh, it's quite nice. It's quite uh, freeing or meditative. So for me, I do, you know, obviously a lot of swimming and I always find it's, if I'm in a mood or something's going on in my head and I can't control it or I've turned up the session and I'm not in a, a good state, I'll always come out of the water in a, in a better place. And I think a lot of people can correlate, uh, you know, you know, no, not correlate, but they can identify with that. So, you know, I think sport is a huge, huge um, area which we need to tap into for improving people's mental well-being, especially during COVID and, you know, post in a post-COVID world. You know, what's that going to look like? Totally agree. And finally, let's talk about life away from swimming, because I know you and your partner, Airy, had a little baby boy last September. Huge congratulations to you both. How are you enjoying being a daddy? <laughs> it's good. It's really good. It's obviously comes with its challenges uh, when you're trying to win Olympic gold. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's uh, a sleepless yeah, nights, Adam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not too bad, though. She uh She's doing an incredible job. And that's why I talk about my team quite a lot because you know, she is, you know, the number one in my team. She looks after everything around George, you know, and she's extremely tired all the time too. But no, I think she well hopefully does realise the amount of impact that you know she allows me to do my job and hopefully that'll all pay off. I think when uh, hopefully I do get the, you know, the result that I've been working towards. You know, it's not an individual result. It's a, a, you know, a result between the closest people who have the day in, day out kind of impact on me and allow me to do what I need to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, dad life is, you know, incredible. But, you know, it's uh, I can't take too much credit <laughs> at all. It's uh, It really comes <laughs> down to her. She's doing an incredible job. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I can't wait for the you know, cafes and zoos and all that normal stuff to open back up again so we can you know, really start to cherish those memories and, you know, get out of the house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Family unit is very special though, isn't it? Becoming, you know, yes, becoming very. a parent is something very, very special. Another huge achievement in your life. Yes, very, very. It's uh, a very uh, emotional achievement when I, when he first came out. But yeah, it's uh, you can't compare it to anything. And then everyone said that to me when uh, Avery was pregnant. And I was like, yeah, 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 be fine, whatever. <laughs> obviously when he came when he comes out and he starts kicking in the belly and whatever and that's when obviously the emotional attachment uh and the family life obviously you know comes in and it's an unconditional loving isn't it so it's uh yeah it's amazing well adam i have to say i have thoroughly enjoyed our chat today good luck all the best with training and the coming months and thank you so much for joining me as a guest on better stories today uh, thank you very much Better is the charitable social enterprise that operates leisure centres, gyms, swimming pools and libraries across the UK. For more information, visit www.better.org.uk or download the Better app.
better stories, taking inspiration from our communities and people. <laughs>